Good morning. It is good to see you here this morning, and uh, just want to start off with a few announcements. Uh, first one, so I don't forget it, is the food pantry is in need of peanut butter. Um, they are having trouble finding peanut butter, so if you go to the store and like to donate to the food pantry, grab some peanut butter, put it in your in your basket, and uh, bring it to the bring it to the church, and we will give it out. So if you uh, you come across that this week as you're shopping, um, we are in need of peanut butter for the food pantry. Um, a couple other announcements. One is today, um, starting at 3 o'clock, we're having our softball fundraiser for our students. Um, this is anyone ages 12 and up can play. Um, you just come and sign up, and we kind of just divide into teams and, and, and play softball down at the, down at the field. And um, all benefit, all um, proceeds benefit our, our camps this summer. It's no set cost. You just give what you can give, and uh, we would love to have you. Even if you don't want to play, we're going to have hamburgers and hot dogs, and uh, you can come watch. If you enjoy really competitive softball, this may not be for you, um, but if you enjoy seeing people try really hard um, and sometimes fail, this is for you. So uh, we would love to have you come down and, and be a part of that. Um, all, all skill levels and experience levels are welcome. And um, just, just a few other things coming up. Um, graduate Sunday will be May the 7th. So if you have a graduate that I have not connected with yet, please um, let them know of that date, Sunday, May 7th. And uh, you can come and see me. We're collecting the information and the photos so we can put a a slideshow together for those students, but we just can't wait to recognize them. The, uh, the achievement of graduating, it's a really big deal. And so we want to take time on Sunday, May the 7th, to honor the graduates um, for this year. So if you have any questions about that, you can see me. And then big, big things happening uh, this summer, VBS and, and student camp. So VBS is June 4th through the 8th, and there's a little separate table out there um, with a sign-up sheet and um, information. And so if you have a kid who wants to go to VBS, there's a sheet out there that has a QR code that you can sign up early. Um, that's really helpful for us just in the planning process. And for all you student parents out there, it is never too early to sign your kid up for camp. Um, that is actually the third week of June, um, June 19th through the 23rd. So there's also another uh, card out there that has a, a, the ability to sign up online for that. That would be very helpful in our planning, but we're so excited to um, go to camp this summer to do all these things in which we get to glorify God, and we're going to glorify God next in the reading of his word. So I'm going to ask Kyle Kane if he'll come forward, and he's going to read our call to worship. Good morning, y'all. Good morning. Today we're going to read out of uh, the Gospel of John. Verse 6 through 18. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which God to every man coming into the world. He was in the world... And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, 
To them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. That's good news, ain't it, y'all? I think, you know, Neil sent that to me this morning, and I thought, holy smoke, you know. And, you know, when I was younger, you know, there was always a bunch of Bible thumpers around, you know, telling me I was, if I did this, I was, I was going to hell. If I did that, I was going to hell. I believe if somebody would have read me that, I, I might have wised up sooner and started trusting God. Um, but let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, your kindness, mercy. Just thank you for your love and, and thank you for Jesus that died and, and paid for our sins in full and that, that I'll be in heaven with you one day, God, and I'm grateful. God, uh, I'm grateful to come in here and sing songs to you this morning. I, I pray that we'd worship in truth and spirit this morning, and I, I invite you to be with us. These things I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. If you'll stand this morning, we're going to begin worshiping with singing in Christ alone. Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace.
worshiping this morning with singing My Hope is Built. Dare not 
so much just for allowing us to come into your house and worship this morning God Lord may that last song be our prayer that um, you will just bring us in to have a closer walk with you God Lord it is on you um, and on the foundation of the cross alone that we um, build our foundation and where our hope is found God and Lord we know that that came from um, Christ alone God 
Lord, thank you for the book of Galatians and all that it's been teaching us. May we continue to learn this morning. May our hearts be open and our ears open to listen, God. And may you just have your way through this sermon, God. Lord, be with our children going to children's church and bless the worker in there and our nursery workers as well. We just love you and praise you and thank you and turn this time of study over to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Children are going with Miss Shannon to Children's Church. Amen. As the children move along to Children's Church, the rest of us, as Catherine said, please turn to Galatians chapter 3. We are preaching our way through the book of Galatians, and today we will finish chapter 3. Again, grateful for all of our children's workers and volunteers who week after week um, help teach our children about Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, we're going to conclude this particular chapter by looking at how the law drives us to Christ, and then we're going to consider what does it mean to be united by faith to Jesus. So in Galatians chapter 3, verse 23... We'll pick up from where we were last week and continue on. And our focus this morning, of course, is to be on Christ and the new life that we enjoy and have in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.23 But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor or our school conductor, school conductor, to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor or a child conductor, school conductor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are. You are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to promise. Father, thank you again this morning already for the songs that we have been able to sing uh, to you and about you and your love. Uh, The scripture from John chapter 1, which helps us to see that not only do we have the law driving us to Jesus, but we have your light drawing us to him. So thank you, Father, for both the law and the gospel and how both work Uh, to connect us to you through Christ and the work that he has done for us, his uh, life, his death, his burial, and resurrection. Lord, may we see today that it's all about Jesus. To him be all glory and honor and praise. Amen. Yeah, so while Kyle was reading, and I love how Kyle puts things so personally and plainly uh, so that we can understand them better, A thought came to my mind that God has not only given us the law driving us to Jesus, but God has also given us light drawing us to Jesus. So either way, 
God is driving us and drawing us ultimately to Christ. So if you want to sum up Christianity, I'll give you a phrase. Christianity is Christ. It's all about Jesus. This is good news. This is information. There are commands and there are promises. But ultimately, Christianity is a relationship with a person, and that person is Jesus. If you'll notice, I want to highlight today for us in our message the phrases that Paul gives us at the end of Galatians that relate to Christ. And these are going to serve as my points this morning. But just to highlight and drive home, look at what he says about Jesus. In verse 26, we have faith in Christ Jesus. In verse 27, we are baptized into Christ. In verse 27, we are clothed with Christ. In verse 28, he says that we are all one in Christ. And then in verse 29, he says we belong to Christ. Now, all of those are glorious and beautiful ways that you and I connect to Jesus. So, the the fabric of Christianity is, is, is wrapped up in these phrases. Now, there are other phrases in the New Testament that talk about our relationship with Christ. But today we're going to focus on these five. I'll give you an analogy and, and give you an illustration. So our, our dear brother Howard Scarborough, who usually sits over there to the right, and I see him in class this morning. He has a semi-famous granddaughter. Her name is Madison Scarpino. She works for a national news organization. She's on Twitter, and I followed her, and she's so popular and famous, she has one of those little blue checks beside her name on Twitter. And so she reports, and Howard has often sent me videos of her news reporting, and she's very good. She's very professional. So my thought is that when Howard Scarborough, her grandfather, watches her deliver the news... For Howard, that moment is beyond the news. For Howard, that moment goes beyond the information. Because with Howard's connection to someone he knows, loves, and cares about, that news suddenly becomes very what? Very personal. Because it's not just about the information, it's about the person who the information is coming from. Now, in our case... We have the information, we have the news about Jesus, but all the news that we have in the Bible about Jesus is ultimately to connect us into a love relationship with Jesus. So these are not just commands. These are not just principles. These are not just things that we would like to put into place to have a better life. This is really ultimately to connect us to God through Christ His Son, empowered by the Spirit of God, uniting us by faith to Jesus. So so let's look at these five phrases. You know me well. Each of these could be preached as a sermon in and of themselves. I'm going to try not to do that. I'm going to try just to give you the gist of, 
of the principle and how we can apply it to our lives. Now let's look at the first one, and it's in verse 26. These are so important. He says, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So Christianity is believing in Jesus. And by believing in Jesus, because He is God's Son, believing in Christ and trusting in Christ and casting our life, our soul, our all on Christ, connects me to God as my Father. So we can say this, the Son of God became the Son of Man so that sons of men could become children of God. And that is an amazing miracle that God works in our lives through faith. You are All children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, one of my favorite anacronyms to help us understand what faith is, and I've used it before and I'll use it again, forsaking all, I trust Him. Forsaking all other options, I trust trust him. Now I'm going to give you an illustration that I don't know why it came to my mind, but it came to my mind and so I'm going to share it. It may or may not be appropriate to share in this connection. But back in the late 80s, early 90s, I remember watching a movie starring Julia Roberts who is from Georgia and the name of that movie was Sleeping with the Enemy. Any of y'all ever seen that movie? Okay, there's some people who've seen that movie. So I remember a scene in that movie. It was a very crucial scene. It was an iconic scene. She is in a toxic, abusive relationship, and she is trying to find her way out. And there's a scene on a beach at night, and she's calculating and she's planning. And if I remember correctly, I didn't go back and watch it, but if I remember correctly... She, she, she begins taking, uh, I assume, a rock, and she throws the rock, and she knocks out a light. There's a row of lights on a boardwalk. Then she picks up another rock, and she knocks out another light. And she picks up another rock, and she knocks out another light. And she knocks out every light but one light. And that one light that she doesn't knock out is going to be her light to point the way to escape so that when the time comes, she's out of there. Now what the law has done for you and me is the law has driven us into a situation, we covered this in depth last week, where we are are hemmed in. We are in bondage. We are dead. We're under a curse. And so the law has put us by nature into that condition. But, but, but what Kyle read earlier this morning is, is that God has kept a light. And that that light is Christ. And by faith, what you and I must do, not only for salvation, but every day... You and I have got to knock out every other light but Jesus because He alone is the way out. He alone is the light of the world. So what Paul is saying is that the law has has hemmed us up. 
It's, it's put us in custody. It's a brutal taskmaster. But God has given us good news in the darkness that, that, that points us to the way out. This is not based on birth. It's not based on ritual. It's not based on performance or moral goodness. Christ alone is truly enough. And so for the Apostle Paul, this little phrase, in Christ, becomes one of his favorite ways of describing what it means to be a Christian. And he uses this phrase 172 times in his epistles. He's going to use it next week in Galatians chapter 4 where he says, Through Christ we receive the adoption to be sons and daughters of God and cry out, Abba, Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us and through us. So that's good news. That God adopts us into his family through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So my relationship to God has been transformed. It's been utterly changed. And just to make an application to prayer, who has the right to wake up the king in the middle of the night and ask for a cup of water? His children. What gives us the right to call and know and ask our Heavenly Father for all of our needs and Kyle, again, I keep referring to what Kyle did. Kyle in John chapter 1 says that, that God now has given us the right, the power to become children of God through faith in Christ. So that's the first aspect of this fabric that is the Christian life. We have placed faith in Christ. We are believing in Jesus. And this gives us the right and the power to become nothing less than children of God. The second phrase is really interesting and important. It's in verse 27. He also says, he keeps using this word all as well, and that's going to come into point in a, in a, in a principle we're going to lay down later. But in verse 27, he says, All of you were baptized into Christ. Baptized into Christ. So another part of the Christian life is that my whole life has been immersed into Jesus, plunged into Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. Now Jesus himself was baptized, and he commands us to be baptized. In the Great Commission, he says that we are to go and make disciples, baptizing them into the name of of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, so let's picture this, baptized into Christ. An entry into a new kind of life. Guthrie says baptism is a sign of entry into a new kind of life. We recently had a baptism here. And usually when we have a baptism, as I'm here with the candidate, so to speak, I explain that what we're doing is we are reenacting the gospel. That Christ lived a life, he died, and he rose again from the dead. 
That's one of the things that baptism pictures and symbolizes. It's a way that we can picture and and dramatize and reenact how God saves us through the work of Jesus Christ. It is a way that we publicly identify and communicate that we are one with the, the work of Jesus. As one little boy told his pastor, he said, Pastor, I want to be advertised. <laughs> it's a way that we publicly communicate that we have trusted and placed faith in Jesus. We do not baptize ourselves. Baptism is something that we submit to. We surrender to it. Another interesting thing about baptism, and this is not going to turn into a sermon about baptism, but there's a reason why he says we are baptized into Christ. If you think about it, God knows us, right? I mean, he created us. He knows how we operate. He knows how we think. Baptism is a tangible, concrete way that we can experience and feel and know and express that something significant has happened. And you and I are ceremonial people by nature. That's why we have weddings. It's one reason we have funerals. It's why when someone retires, the corporation or company will do something tangible to honor them. Hey, you got your watch, right? Yesterday, my son Asa was closing out his baseball career at Montevallo. Man, that went by fast. But they honored every senior. They gave every senior a picture. The coach gave every senior a hug, and he was in tears. That is a tangible, formal, concrete way of expressing to another human being that you are part of and you have done something extremely significant. Not to belabor the point, but high school graduations, right? Think about these ceremonies, how how important they are. They involve the the senses. We get something practical that, that means something to us. Why has God ordained baptism as one of the two ordinances that the body of Christ is to continue? Because he knows us. Martin Luther would at times get so discouraged and so depressed. And it was said that in his office that he at times would berate himself and beat himself over his his failures and his sins and his doubts and he would struggle... It was said of Luther that there are times when he would stand up and he would pound the desk and he would say, I have been baptized. What was he doing? He was reminding himself through his humanity that there was a moment and there was a time and there was a place where he did something tangible and real that involved the senses that identified him with the salvation of Jesus. And let me just say in passing, I have done many funerals for people that I didn't know. And I was never able to personally talk to them about their personal faith because they were already gone. But one of the most precious truths that a family can share with me or show me 
is that Uncle John, back in 1962, at Antioch Baptist Church, was baptized by a pastor in a local congregation. And you better bet your bottom dollar that at the funeral I will share and have shared that that baptism means something. It means that there was a pastor and there was a church and that church and that pastor came along beside that brother and he was baptized. It means something. But ultimately, it pictures what God has done for us in Christ. What has God done for us in Christ? He's, he's immersed all of us into who Jesus is. Now, baptism does not save, but it is a sign and a mark and a step of obedience for the saved and to the saved. What a wonderful picture God has given the local church. What a wonderful thing God has given to us as individuals. That we can go through an ordinance a ceremony and a, and, a, and a celebration, so to speak, that, that pictures and reminds and identifies us of the saving work of Jesus Christ. The thief on the cross, he was never baptized. And Jesus told him, today you will be with me in paradise. Paul is not adding baptism to Christ. Because he has been arguing the whole time that you shouldn't add circumcision to Jesus. So he's not replacing baptism with circumcision, but he is picturing the justification by grace through faith in Christ alone that, that baptism served for the early church and still serves for us now. So we have faith in Christ, we are baptized into Christ. That's not all. We are also clothed with Christ. Now, as I worked through this this week, some commentators were saying, and I'm starting to believe, that what we have at the end of 26 through 29 may have been a baptismal confessional that the early church used when people were baptized. This was a church confession of the early church, and here's why. After you're baptized, you put on new clothes. Well, or you put on dry clothes, all right? They may not be new, but they're certainly not what we went in the water with. So the imagery in the picture may be to the baptism candidate to remember that now that you're plunged into Jesus, now that you've been, been forgiven and cleansed and filled by the Holy Spirit, that now you've put on Christ. Now there is a new garment to wear. So you and I, Paul says, are clothed with Christ. So Christianity is not just immersing into Christ, it is putting on Christ. God has baptized us, and God has clothed us with His righteousness. Now let's go back to Genesis. Adam and Eve, after their sin, they were totally exposed in more ways than one. 
They felt naked. They felt afraid. They felt vulnerable. They felt insecure. And so they tried to figure out for themselves how to do some self-covering, but those were inadequate. And it says that God killed an animal, and he put on them garments of skin to cover them. Remember that? God properly clothed them. Another thought is that when young Samuel was dedicated by his mother Hannah to be a prophet and a priest, it says that every year his mother would make him a little robe and she would take it to him and and give it to him so that he could be properly clothed in his priestly garments. His mother did that. Remember when the prodigal returned home? The father said, go get the best robe and clothe him with that. Why does God give us these pictures? Because in Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10, it tells us that he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. He has done it. Our righteousness... This is filthy rags. We have a right to feel insecure left to ourselves. We have a right to feel inadequate. That is a healthy self-diagnosis that none of us can stand before a holy God wrapped in our own self or our own self-righteousness. We need God to cover us. And the good news of the gospel is that God has clothed us with the righteousness that Christ has. It's a gift. It's a gift of his covering us with Jesus. And so now that we have this new garment, now that we have this new thing to wear, you and I are called to every day. I've got three particular places, Romans 13, 14, Ephesians 4, 24, and Galatians 3, 10. They They all say the same thing. Put on the new self. If God's given you the garment of Christ, put on Christ. Now, in some of the commentaries I read, and this will be an illustration just to help us, but the Greeks and the Romans would have, for young guys who have gone from childhood into maturity, they would have a toga ceremony. Now, that rings a bell with some of you, toga. And it was to sign and symbolize and recognize that this guy has moved now into adulthood and maturity. He's grown up. That's a pretty good connection with where we've been with the law. The law drives us to Christ. And we reach spiritual maturity and growth. And so now as a believer, clothed in his righteousness, dressed in his righteousness, faultless to stand before the throne, now my daily task, now that I'm covered past, present, and future with the righteousness of Christ, my daily discipline and my daily task is to walk with him and put on his garments. What would that be? Well, it would be holiness and love and sacrifice and grace Everything that Christ is, put on his character and put off that old nature. So many times in the New Testament, this dressing up, this clothing yourself is used as a way for us to think about the new life we have in Christ. So Christianity is being clothed 
and clothing ourselves with the righteousness of Christ. Putting on Jesus. Let's move on to number four. Not only that, but we are also one in Christ Jesus. One in Christ. Christianity is uniting in and through Jesus. Uniting, coming together. This is His unifying power for relationships. Now, if you want a powerful news story in our particular culture and context, let it be about race, let it be about money, and let it be about sex. Let it be about those three things. And man, you've got a ticket to a story that will get a lot of clicks, a lot of comments, and a lot of likes. A lot of shares. This is nothing new. What Paul is saying, and it is significant what Paul is saying, is that now, in Christ Jesus, after we work through those alls, all of us have been shut up, all of us are children, all of us are baptized into Christ, all of us are now one in Christ. He is saying that these distinctions, racial distinctions, class distinctions, gender distinctions, oh, they exist. They matter. But they do not ultimately matter. They no longer, for the child of God, become a source of division, but rather a source of opportunity. Number one, to praise God, because who has made me like I am? God has made me like I am. You can look up here at every, every Sunday and you can see that I'm a white male, all right? And that affects how you view me. But I'll sort back through something that I've said before. That I'm male, but I'm first a Christian. I'm white, but I'm first a Christian. I'm an American, but I'm first a Christian. I'm a Baptist, but I'm first a Christian. I'm an Aubrey, <laughs> all right? You look more and more like your dad every day. Thanks. <laughs> Dad's not here, so I can get away with that. But I am first. I'm first a Christian. Paul was extremely radical for his day and culture. Because most Jewish males have been taught every day to wake up and pray this prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not a foreigner. I thank you that I'm not a slave. And I thank you that I'm not a woman. You and I live in a world of division. If this world disregards the theological reality that all of us are created in his image and the theological reality that Jesus Christ died for every person regardless of race, status, or gender. If we forget that, if we are done with that, then the world, the flesh, and the devil will continue to utilize these natural God-given categories and distinctions as fuel for the fire, and we will consume ourselves in and through 
these divisions. Salvation humbles us. Salvation crushes us. And then gives us new life. New life. We die to self. We die to pride and ego based on any of these natural God-given distinctions. So I'm quoting John Stott here. And I brought his quote, but I don't know where I put it, so I'm going to summarize it. He's been a pastor and a mentor to me. And again, it's not as though we no longer see these distinctions, becoming colorblind per se, but, but now we see these distinctions as actually enhancing the worth, personality, and beauty of the other person. And it's now an opportunity to love and serve in a u- unique way, demonstrating the power of God's love to transcend and transform all those differences. To transcend and transform all those differences. He's saying you are one person in Christ. So imagine being part of a team or part of a body or part of a building. And if any aspect of that building or team or body is hurt, they all hurt. We're connected. This is something that transcends all distinctions. And now you and I as Christians should see each situation and each person looking at Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Well, 525. If we live by the Spirit, let's walk by the Spirit. Let's not become boastful and challenge one another, envying one another. Brethren, if a man is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore this one in a spirit of gentleness, looking to yourself, lest you to be... Hey, here it is. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he's deceiving himself. That changes the way I see and view and love other people, regardless of, again, race, class, and gender. I've got to move on. Here's number five. There's the last one. So Christianity is uniting in Christ. The last one is that we belong to Jesus. Belong to Him. So Christianity is about belonging to Jesus and experiencing His blessing of us through life and eternity. Here's my point. We become heirs of God in Christ Jesus. Heirs of the spiritual blessings that God promised to Abraham. And as we looked at last week, God promised before time began. So let's, let's land this thing. You know, um, I don't want to be like the, the rocket we saw. Musk is right, just, you know, just blew up. I don't, I don't want to blow up here. I want to land this thing. All right. We belong to Christ now. Our lives are not our own. I'm not my own. We belong to Christ. And we belong to one another. So now that is the the identifying principle that now rules and drives my life. So, So I want to end this thing without going into too much depth about this belonging with a few questions and let me get those back out. Here they are. Hey, hey, do some self-examination here. What are you believing in? What are you trusting in? What are you relying upon? 
What are you immersing yourself into? What are you wrapped up in? And I'm using these images that Paul gave us. What are you putting on every day? What are you uniting with? What are you giving yourself to? And what do you belong to? And as I sorted through those myself, really, I only got two options. It's either Jesus or me. I can believe in me or I can believe in Christ. I can be immersed into myself or I can immerse myself into Jesus. I can put on Christ or I can put on me. I can be wrapped up in me or I can be wrapped up in Jesus. I can unite with him or I can unite to whatever preferences and things that I got going on. I can belong to Jesus or I can belong to something else, usually my own self-pride in my own self-way. What Paul is really saying when he says you belong to Christ, he says you are of Christ, of Christ. Christ and if you're not of Christ then you're of yourself and if you're of yourself ah here's where we were last week the law says you're still under sin the law says you're still in custody the law says you're not free the law says you're still under a curse either you're in Christ or you're under the law. Let me sum it up with this illustration that was kind of humorous to me earlier this week. So I preached Wednesday at Carrollton Manor Nursing Home this very sermon. Probably 25, 30 seasoned veterans of life seated out there ready to hear the good news. But the activities director had stepped out of the room, and the radio was blasting. And I was kind of waiting on her to come back in the room, but the activities director never came back. She was bringing someone later, but, but I couldn't wait till much later. So, so the radio's on, it's very loud, I can't speak over the radio. And playing on the radio is Linda Ronstadt's, You're no good, you're no good, you're no good, baby, you're no good, right? She's just blasting you about, you're no good, you're no good, baby, you're no good. And I, I was like, I, hold on, y'all, let me go over here and let me, let me turn off Linda Ronstadt. I said, she's, she's singing about somebody that's no good. And so I turned off Linda Ronstadt. And a lady pipes up. She was singing about him because he was no good. <laughs> he was no good. And I couldn't miss the irony that I had good news to preach, and it's all about Jesus. But left to ourselves, that song is you and me. Wrapped up in self, into self, putting on self. The law tells all, all of us that, that we're not good. And you've got to hear the bad news. You've got to know the darkness. You've got to be driven to Moses and the law before you'll ever run to Christ for forgiveness and transformation and freedom. Why is it all about Jesus? Well, because he's creator. He's very God of very God. He is the light of the world. He's the good shepherd of the sheep. He's the bread. He's the water. Christianity is not just about Christ. Everything is about Christ. Let's close. Father, thank you.
for the good news we have in Jesus. And then we should be grateful for the diagnosis the law gives us honestly about our condition. That apart from Christ, we are not good. We are dying. We are dead. We're trapped under the law with no way out. But Jesus is the light. If we run to him and put faith in him, we're baptized into him, we're wrapped up in him, uniting in him, belonging to him. Oh, what an eternal difference and daily difference that makes. Help us all to run to Christ this morning with whatever issue, whatever problem, for salvation, strength, sustaining. Father, thank you for your love and grace. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. news of the gospel is he will save you and he will save you now. Um, I want to give you a few prayer requests that I wrote down uh, to share before I forget them. Um, don't forget softball this afternoon because of that. 
we will not have adult Bible study this evening at 6 o'clock. I uh, hope and pray you'll go and encourage and be a part of what our youth have going on down at the softball field. But uh, these are just some names. Uh, Justin Jones, Mr. David gave me that one. Let's be in prayer for him. Ellis Dennis's sister, Miss Elaine Hendricks, is not doing well. Uh, let's lift her up in prayer. Joe Whittemore's back in the hospital. Let's not forget about Joe. This wonderful organ that Miss Becky plays every Sunday was donated to us by him. Uh, I think on Easter Sunday you had roses for Joe and Judy uh, up there with you, Miss Becky, and, and that was a beautiful act of love. But let's let's pray for Joe. He's he's still struggling. Today at three o'clock, uh, I have a funeral for a man named Walter Carl. Walt Carl. Some of y'all may know him. That's at Tabernacle uh, this afternoon at three. Please be in prayer for that family. Um, and tomorrow, there's a group of guys going to Troop County to help a young lady named Heather Smith, whose home was, was devastated by trees that fell uh, when the tornado came through Troop County several weeks ago. So y'all be in prayer for this uh, young lady, Heather Smith, and uh, the guys that will go help her tomorrow. Uh, I think for now, that's all I have. Do you have anything to add? We won't have choir practice either for the okay. softball game. Um, next week, our youth are most likely supposed to be leading, so y'all be sure to come back for that. And they are taking offering in the back for Lottie Moon for the remainder of the month of April. It is Lottie Moon, right? Is that right? Annie Armstrong. I felt wrong when I said it. All right, let's sing the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Y'all have a great one.